Good evening from Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 508 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, uh, for September 16th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple wasn't completely honest in their presentation. Nintendo isn't completely in sync with their customers, and Netflix wants to com- wants to recommend a complete sol- solution for producers. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on any of our live stream platforms, including Livestream.com, Periscope, uh, Twitch, Mixer, Facebook Live, and YouTube Live, um, on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, maybe Google Plus, YouTube, uh, on any of the uh, uh, podcatchers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, with a myriad of other podcatchers, or of course, on our apps, pluckitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Uh, there are two ways of doing that. Like I said, this here is uh, F5 Live, Refreshing Technology the flagship show on the Pluck It's Live family of content. Uh, one way to join us is live on Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern. We are aware that we are a little late this, uh, this evening. Um, by joining us live, one of the things you can do is you can uh, chat with us in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Abram and I love to hear what uh, people have to say about what we're talking about, uh, especially as we're talking about it, or... Uh, you can always subscribe, and subscriptions are always free. And you can subscribe to this and all of our other shows by going to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you'll see F5 Live, The Pilch Point, our special events feed, first looks, and a number of others as well. Uh, with that, Abram, how are you doing? I'm okay. Not not too bad. Uh, just a lot, a lot going on. Sure. Uh, but uh, exciting times. You know, we've got um, as we start to, to enter the sort of the the final stretch for uh, Q3, companies are rushing to get their products out. Um, we know that the um, that the new Nvidia cards are due out this week, uh, and we know that I mean at least they're supposed to be out this week. Sure. And we know that <laughs> the. Um, and we know that uh, Intel's new new process, Intel probably has some new processors coming because there have been a lot of leaks uh, about them. So, um, and you Mi- know, there's... Microsoft's got an event in two weeks. Yes, yes. Well, that may have to do with, with new Windows, but uh, it could, but it's, you know, it could also have to do with uh, new Surface hardware. This is about the time we usually hear about it. Well, that's a good point. I and, mean, and all of the Surface laptops are sold out on their website. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. I mean, the Surface laptop is way way old, so if they want to keep keep it fresh, they better do something. Yeah, I think it was uh, two collisions ago they announced it while we were on the air. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, there are no. I mean, and and then of course uh, the Surface uh, Surface Pros are also you know, last generation hardware. Yeah. So, so who knows what they'll have, but yeah, it's, it's that time of year. Everybody wants to show off some, some exciting new hardware in time for the holidays. Make sure it's out in the wild, which means that, uh, 
for for you and I, it's review time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's good for us, right? And I hope I hope a lot of it has bugs because there's nothing because if everything worked as advertised, no one would would need to read uh, tech articles. Indeed, <laughs> that's for sure. So, obvious, and there will always be problems, and uh, we're going to talk about some of that here in a, in just a minute. Uh, we uh, we do want to apologize. Like I said, uh, we're running a little late this evening. Um, a myriad of oddities uh, today. We've had no consistent internet in the studio for about a week and a half, which is uh, part of why we weren't on the air last week. And just it's been there's been bizarreness. And uh, so but it looks like everything's ready. And uh, I think Avery and I are ready to talk about some news. Yes. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Um, whether you're looking for um, a Surface Pro uh, currently at uh, $200 savings, possibly because of what's going to happen in two weeks, you're looking for a, uh, a new uh, Xbox One, either the S or the X, both available, or you're looking for something unrelated, maybe a VR or mixed reality headset. Maybe you're looking for some cool new apps for your phone. You're looking to buy eBooks to use on your uh, on your uh, tablet or whatever. All of that is available right now by going to f5live.tv/microsoft. I want to apologize if the volumes on music are off tonight made a change in here and I'm not quite sure I understand the change I made. So with that, um, speaking of Microsoft, let's talk about Apple. Uh, obviously everybody knows that, uh, this week, uh, Apple is their annual look what the iPhone still does event. And this year, uh, interestingly at the iPhone release event, the Apple watch stole the show mainly because, uh, there is nothing exciting about the iPhone that could have stolen the show uh, because it's a bigger version of last year's. In fact, it is so close to exactly what they had last year that uh, they've actually discontinued the X but kept the 7. So that's how similar the X and the XS are. They literally discontinued the X but left the 7 in the lineup. So, uh, some, uh, some interesting stuff, uh, particularly, like I said, around the watch. Um, the new watch has a bigger screen. Uh, interestingly, the same kind of questionable battery life, what they call all day, but is only 18 hours. If you want to track your sleep, you can't also charge it. Anyway, uh, but... By going to a bigger screen, uh, a brighter screen, a more colorful screen, they did not lose battery life, which I think is probably an... Imp- mm, wait a second. How do we know that? According to their numbers. Eight, According to their numbers. Right, right, right. 18 hours to 18 hours. Obviously, once they're out in the wild, uh, 
I imagine we'll hear some battery tests from from Tom's guide uh, to be able to confirm. But according to what they said last year, they said 18 hours this year. They said 18 hours, which means in their tests, they didn't lose anything, which is at least better than them saying, well, you know, bigger screen. We only lost an hour. That's no good. But they also didn't say we've got better battery life this year. So <laughs> consistent. Um, unfortunately, some of the things that they said on stage were um, a little misleading. Uh, and uh, I, I think there hasn't been enough attention paid to that. And so I think it's important to, to cover a little bit of that. Uh, the, the first thing that they said was that they mentioned the FDA as far as the Apple Watch was concerned, and in particular, the ECG feature, which is the first direct-to-consumer ECG device. It's not the first consumerable uh, ECG device, but it is the first one to have it built in that goes to consumers. When uh, they mentioned on stage that the FDA had cleared it, the room went nuts. Everybody cheered. As it turns out, what the FDA said was, uh, we don't care. There's, there's actually a certification in the FDA. It's called the de novo classification that basically means that the FDA said, we don't care. So low risk to the world, we're not even going to look at it. So, so it was not FDA approved as the room and most of the internet believed. The FDA literally said, don't care. Um, and that's important uh, because for it to be uh, de novo certified, it me uh, classified, it means that um, nothing that Apple is doing is directly medical and the device itself has a very low risk of causing uh, problems to people who are using it. It doesn't mean that information is necessarily accurate just that the device itself is not likely harmful however there is apparently a scenario in which the device itself can be harmful and it has something to do with um if you're under 22 or something like that and you've had um a heart problem the device could be dangerous and apparently it says that uh, how, I don't understand. How can measuring your heart rate be dangerous? I have no idea. Or is it is the danger that you'll take that information seriously and you might not act to prevent? Just to you know, you you might think that you're that you're fine, but it actually because it tells you you're fine, but you're actually sick. So, so there's two parts to the answer to that question. First, it will the. The software will not tell you whether or not it believes you to be fine. Um, and that is the reason they were able to get this classification. Um, uh. If it said, if it made predictions about whether or not it believed you to be fine, because it is the first direct-to-consumer ECG, it would have had to have been FDA approved, which would have delayed it two to three years. Um the second part is the FDA says that if you're under 22 and you have had heart problems, do not use the sensor. Not don't believe the results. Do not use it. Now, I don't know. That is all the information that Apple has made available. I do not know why. 
but it is a fascinating situation that I would certainly like to know more on why somebody under 22 who's had a heart attack shouldn't use the sensor. I, I have no idea. Um, this sounds a little arbitrary. Like if they're just turned 23, then they I, can start using it. Right. But, you know, the the government's good with those types of things, right? If you're a day away from 21, alcohol is a terrible idea. But if you're 21, it's fine. <laughs> Cigarettes at 18. You know, there's all kinds of weird age numbers when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a thing uh-huh. like, maybe like there's a thing that your doctor says you're in that range where it's a bad idea. Don't use it. I, yeah, who knows? Maybe there, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's all the information I have. I have no idea what it is. Um, I would like to find out more and I'm going to continue searching. Um, on on the other hand, one of the things that uh, that they said that also caused a stir online was about the 120 hertz refresh rate on their on the screen of the iPhone XS. It does not ma- mean what it sounds like. Uh, it sounded like Apple said, "Hey, look, we've caught up with the Razer phone and." photographers and videographers and editors and gamers are going to love this device. No, it's actually got a 60 hertz refresh on the screen, just like uh, past models have. The 120 hertz refresh is on the touch sensor, um, which is also not a change from past models. So the excitement around that feature didn't really exist, which is a shame. I would like that's a feature I would have gotten excited about. Ah, so uh, I was just going to say, I mean, there's there's an article in Tech Radar about how 98 percent of the um, there was a 98 percent effectiveness in a Stanford uh, study about the iPhone watch for detecting AFib. Um, So, yeah, you know, there's some evidence and a 99 percent effective in determining not right yeah yeah um so uh, that study is the beginning of apple's very long road toward getting the device uh fda approved as opposed to the de novo classification uh, because they they do want to get it fda approved it is their goal um and but there's a lot of clinical uh, trial stuff that has to happen and that one was the first of I think three that they have to go through it'll likely be a year or more before their uh, actual FDA approved um, so so anyway um, so there's that there's the 120 hertz screen both of those were a uh, little misleading and uh, definitely disappointing especially the 120 hertz uh, refresh on the screen. I would have loved that, but obviously it is what it is. Um, also, it's important to note that uh, with the discontinuation of the six series phones that were still left over from the past at the the end of their their uh, price tier, uh, it means that there are no more Apple phones, no more iPhones available that have a headphone jack, 
and um, the new phones will not ship with the adapter anymore. So if you uh, if you want to use headphones with an iPhone going forward, you're going to have to buy the adapter yourself. Uh, also, I thought it was interesting that um, there was no absolutely no mention of uh, uh, air power at the press conference. Do you think they've discontinued that? Like, do you think that they've just abandoned that the, their Qi charger? Because they announced it last year at the iPhone event, and then that was the end of it. We're now a, a year out from announcement. Usually when they announce something, it's available for pre-order like three days later. Yep, I guess they've given up on it. Okay. It, and they don't want to say it. It's the only explanation that I have is that they gave up on it. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, when it comes to Apple's whole kind of pricing model and business model is around not using standards for their for their products and especially their accessories. So, you know, a Qi charger, there it was going to be pretty difficult for them to be able to do anything special with a Qi charger, I feel. I was surprised even that they had announced that they were going to make a Qi charger with, you know, the way their business is. But looks yep. dead. Well, that's fine. You can get a you can get a Qi charger elsewhere. Indeed, from hundreds of places including Tesla. <laughs> Right, exactly. So, <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, once once something like that is available from Tesla, it's yeah, you know that everybody is doing it. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you are Building a new PC or upgrading an existing one, trying to get extra life out of a laptop that you already have, uh, Newegg is the place to go. You can get power supplies and motherboards and processors and video cards and all the things that you need to make a, a new computer go or upgrade an existing, but there are also other things available from them as well, and they do daily deals. And to find out what the today's daily deals are, and to find out what other products are available, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. So, Avram just reached off the screen, and normally when Avram reaches off the screen before the pilch point, it means he has something to show us. I do, I do. Yay! Uh... Uh, so here is the uh, latest um, Cano computer kit. Da, da, da. It is called the Cano Computer Kit Touch. Uh, so I really like this. Um, but first of all, let me tell people what it is. So this is a computer made for kids to learn about computers. And you build it yourself so um and it's really the nice thing about this is there's a lot of uh tech out there for kids and a, for kids to teach them about programming and teach them about computers and most of it kind of assumes that the parents uh are kind of at a low level like listen just hand this to your kid 
you know, we don't assume that the parents are very tech savvy. Uh, your kid will learn something. This is a, a great project for parents who, like me, really are excited about like showing their kids like the inside of a computer. Like, how does this work? Let me tell you about how it works. And let me tell you some things that are like a little bit off the beaten path. So oh. this computer here, it has, um, and by the way, there, um, those who've been following our show for a while may know that I reviewed the um, computer kit complete from Kenna, which is very similar to this, but this adds a touchscreen to it. Um, and uh, what it does, so first of all, if you see the interface here, um, it's, it's really made to be uh, friendly for kids, but this is a version of Linux. And on the inside, this is a Raspberry Pi 3B. In fact, if I flip around the back here, you're going to see that the batteries hang a little loose here, but that's because I just got to pop it in a little. Um, is uh, This is the computer we built. It took us maybe half an hour to build it. The instructions are super, super easy. But you can see here that there is a... Um, res I'll flip it over. It's a little easier to see this way. Um, there's a Raspberry Pi over here connected to the power button. There is a battery that is powering it. There is a video and touch board, which is, you know, connected to the screen. Uh, there's USB ports over here that it connects to. Oh. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's a there's a wireless keyboard, oh. which it comes with, which I got, which I have over here. Um, now, granted, for kids, this is a nice size. For adults, it's a little cramped. Sure. Uh, but the good news is this is a standard wireless USB keyboard. So oh. if you want to attach a different keyboard uh, or mouse, you're certainly, you, you can do it. No problem. It's got USB ports. No, no biggie. Uh, so what's cool about the operating system why is it asking me for Wi-Fi? Okay. What's cool about the operating system here is it's got a lot of, oh, look, I tapped the story mode, which is what I wanted to show you. Perfect. So it's got a lot of apps on it. And I love the one that I, one of the ones I love the best here is the story mode. And the way story mode works is it's, it, the graphics on it remind me a little bit of like Ultima. If you ever played that <laughs> or the original old one, you walk around and talk to other characters. Right. And, um, one thing I will say for this touch touch version of it is that it's not um, not everything not all the apps on this are touch friendly yet. Uh, so for some of them like this one, you need to use the keyboard. And what you do is you walk around and you and it has different challenges for you, like having you build a pong game uh, and you talk to other characters and all the spots on the map. Are things like SD card village, SD card beach, and like HDMI uh, village, HDMI forest, or whatever, nice. and they're all teaching you about different things inside the computer. So I think that's really cool. I love um, that. So like, if you look at the map here in it, now that's just the story mode. Um, now we'll go back to the the home screen here, the dashboard. Um, they have obviously have programming tutorials in here. Now, they use their own Kano code stuff, mm -hmm. so it's not a language that um, kids would know, although this is a Linux computer, so 
you could theoretically, um, I don't know why it's not connected to the internet right now. Oh, hold on a sec. You could theoretically um, say, oh, um, you could theoretically, um, you know, run, this has scratch on it if you want to use that or install any programming uh, ID that you want. Uh, and it'll work as long as there's a Linux version of it. Oh. But uh, the Cano code thing is kind of neat. It's a block-based coding language that you um, is easy to sort of drag around. Uh, there's Hack Minecraft, my son's favorite. <laughs> uh, it is not. Ex it is a version of Minecraft that's really just for building things in Minecraft, and sort of and you code them. So there's code in it also. You drag code blocks around in it. Uh, so again, it's using the kind of lore of, of Minecraft to get you to um, to get you to you know learn some coding concepts. Let's see if I can show one of them here. So you know, like here's here's like the first, and everything here is gamified. You unlock different levels and harder code as you oh, go along. Gotcha. So like. You know, it'll tell you, this is unfortunate. For some reason, I think I grabbed the wrong keyboard, hence it's not working. We have, we have, I have saw the old one around here, and the old one also has the same orange keyboard. Uh. So, so I can't tell which 2.4 gigahertz uh, keyboard was in here, what I have in here with me. But, um, so it has this. It also has something really cool in it called... Um, it also has a text adventure game about the command prompt that you... What? Yeah, so if you ever played Zork, you know, or any of those, like, adventure, like any of those really old school text adventure games... Yeah. This is, uh, I think it's called Command Quest. Um, here, it's, I think it's called... Um, what's it called? And it actually, like, steps you through this adventure where you are... Where, where it's called Terminal Quest, sorry, where you're learning terminal commands, like how to type things at the terminal. So it's it, this is really like, this is hardcore geek stuff. It's not just like, hey, this is a computer and you can use a mouse and you can move around. And, and this is like, it, it's, it, it takes its computer, its stuff really seriously. Um, now, because they've just come out with it uh, this past Thursday, I think that there's not as much touch optimization in the software as there will be. Um, so you can drag the blocks around with touch and you can do some other things with touch. But some of the, the apps like the adventure, uh, the story mode, you still have to use the, the keyboard. Um, certainly there's no on-screen keyboard either. So you have to, if you have to type something, you've got to use the physical keyboard. Um, for now, uh, but um, and they are going to have some coding challenges because all the programming stuff is challenges that you advance through to unlock more stuff. Um, some of the challenges are going to have, but I, they didn't at the time I tested this anyway, have ones that actually like had you program things just to, t to tell when you're touching the screen. But, um, you know, I know that that's that's coming. So, um, I, I really, oh, and another uh, app that is touch-friendly that my son absolutely loved, although it's not an original Kano app, 
because uh, there are a lot of apps on it that are just standard Linux apps. Uh-huh. Um, there is the Chrome uh, Music Studio, uh, where you can actually like make make music by like tapping like a bar ch- like line chart, uh, and it, it plays the notes. And there's Tux Paint, which is a paint program, and you can draw with it. So, um, so this you know so like the non-touch version of this this is a lot of fun it's a great learning experience and it's extensible because once you get through all the lessons which will take you a really long time because there's a lot of programming challenges um but it lets you get if you get bored of those this is a raspberry pi computer so first of all there's an app store and you can install like pretty much any linux app that you want um including, you know, for example, for things that other things that you want kids to learn about, uh, like you could have them install the Arduino IDE and have them make Arduino projects with this. Why not? You know, Uh, I mean, that's not like a heavily advertised feature of it, but you could. Um, And there are other things, expansion things you can get for it. There is a motion sensor that you can program. Uh, You know, my son really loves the motion sensor. That's another $30 part. Um, there's the pixel kit, which is something that's like an led board that lights up and you can program that, uh, and coming soon, there's going to be the Harry Potter wand kit, which you, which you, you, you get like a, a wand that you can point at the screen and program to do things. Uh, now those kits like the wand kit and the sensor also will work with windows or Mac. So you don't have to have, uh, the Cano computer kit to use them. Gotcha. Uh, they, all of the programming challenges filter through their website, Cano World. And so you could use Cano World uh, even if you don't have this computer. But um, this computer is, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. Now, if you're looking to save money, the non-touch version of it has really dropped in price and is now uh, just $179 uh, when that was normally $250. Uh, this one is starting at $279. Uh, but... You know, when we had when I, we tried the non-touch one, my son and I, his first reaction was to touch the screen mm-hmm. because kids expect everything to be a touch screen. So I think it makes sense if you can to spend the extra money, get the touch version uh, of this. But you know, it's uh, it's just great fun to and great way of like introducing your kid to the concept of building a computer, the instructions, everything about it is just really well written and cute and it has like a little character that like tells you about the different parts in the computer as you're putting them in like this is your computer's brain and it shows you the the raspberry pi it has this many transistors this is the you know this is the battery this is the you know so it's not a windows pc obviously it's not gonna you know you're not teaching your kid about putting in a motherboard and putting in a cpu and sticking ram in it like that's that's a different thing for, for an older kid. Uh, but this is, my son is six. We actually used the older version of this when he was five and he, he got it and was able to, to play with it a lot on his own. Uh, so I really, really, um, you know, highly recommend, uh, the Cano computer kit touch. And, you know, if you want to save a little money, the computer kit complete that has no touch, uh, because those are just a great, a great, great fun for the parent for like parents who are really enthusiastic about technology and, and want to really share that with their children. 
this doesn't dumb things down. It explains things in a way a child will understand, but it also, you know, has things like the like terminal quest, which is teaching you about the command prompt. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I love the terminal quest. I've been on their website while you've been talking. I've been looking at at a terminal quest. There's one aspect of their site that I think is a bit of a concern, but uh, for the most part, I really. Uh, I like this thing. <laughs> it's such a cool idea. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, they have other other products. The kit is one. And then, of course, the computer kit and computer kit touch are one. There's also a computer kit not complete that doesn't come with a screen. Uh, but I really wouldn't recommend that because mm-hmm. there's no screen and no battery. So you have to hook it up to a TV. Uh, and that one's a lot cheaper. But, you know, you, you have to hook it up to your TV. You can't carry it around. This gets about three hours of battery life uh, and it charges over micro USB. So my son is able to carry it, you know, around the house and use it mm-hmm. where he wants. I mean, it would be even better if it were if it were a uh, clamshell design like the laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, with a wireless keyboard, which you can kind of put in a compartment on the back, it's pretty easy to carry around. Very cool. And, you know, being as it is a Raspberry Pi and. You know, getting the opportunity to see the back of it just then, uh, you know, you could, you could go, grab a a bigger battery, <laughs> and put yeah, it yeah, inside. Yeah. I, no, no, no. I mean, you could do. I mean, I don't know. They're actually the way things fit inside though is actually pretty like, neat and tidy. Okay. There's there's snaps where you snap things in. Oh. Although the battery seems to keep coming loose when we move it around, but there's just it's just like a little thing that you push in. So. You could okay. get another battery, but it wouldn't push in like that. Fair, um, fair enough. It doesn't have the holes on it to do it. Uh, but, you know, look, I mean, you need. You can use it while it's plugged in. You can plug it into a charger. It comes with one, but you could, you know, plug it into any USB port that gives out 2.5 amps at least. Um, so, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, the final thing is if after a really long time you really don't like you're really bored of using the Kanoa operating system. This is a Raspberry Pi, so you could download a different operating system and put it on there. Sure. Um, at, you could, you know, you could put Raspbian on there or something if you wanted to. So, and and it would probably work. I haven't tried it, but it would probably work fine with the touch screen. Um, there's probably some way of making it work with the touch screen. So, uh, now one thing to note about this Raspberry Pi, I should say. Uh, for those who are, you know, people who know about Raspberry Pi, it is a 3B, but for some reason it's custom, so it doesn't have some of the pins on it. Like, it doesn't have the camera port that Raspberry Pi 3Bs have, and it doesn't have Ethernet uh, because you wouldn't need it on this. Fair enough. Um, So if you were, like, just got this and you were really, you know, your kid just didn't want to play with it anymore or something, which I can't imagine... You say, oh, I just want to use this Raspberry Pi for something else. You can, but know that you won't have an Ethernet port or the, the camera. Got pins. it. Got it. Um, obviously, uh, obviously, you've been doing a review on this. Is it? Uh, oh, is it's, it out, it, it's already out in the wild? It's on Tom's Hardware since, since Thursday, yeah, uh, when this was announced. So uh, highly recommended, and certainly recommend people check out uh, my review, which is more detailed than what I just talked about with lots of pictures. Uh, and that's it. You can find that at Tom's Fantastic. Well, 
I really like the product. I like the company. You know, this is our second time talking about them, and uh, I I like what they're doing, and I appreciate uh, you and your son <laughs> going uh, through we, and uh, learning we, about it. Uh, it's it's suffering, but we can do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean we we enjoy, we you know we really enjoy uh, testing out this kind of stuff. Uh, so you know we're looking. I mean. We're looking forward to the uh, Harry Potter to try out the Harry Potter one <laughs> kit when it comes out. I bet. Uh, but, but uh, I, yeah, I mean the the Keto company is really cool. I've met those folks a bunch of times, and their philosophy really is like we want this to be, we want this to be, like as as grown up as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and yet intelligible as possible for young ch- children. They sure. really hit a really nice balance there. Awesome. Well. Uh... I appreciate you bringing that to us and I can't wait to see uh, the Harry Potter wand in the future. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories that you need to up your game on PC and on console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking to get the uh, the new Mamba wireless mouse or the new Black Widow Elite keyboard, or you want that 20, 120 hertz refresh rate phone with the Razer phone, uh, all of that is available and uh, they've got some some deals running all the time uh, one of the ones running right now is if you buy our uh, Kraken Pro V2 you get a, uh, a free headset stand you can also get a uh, uh, stand with the Man of War headset and uh, some pretty good deals on the Razer Blade Stealth and of course more and you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv Razer The time is almost upon us for those who have a Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch Online is almost here. Uh, Nintendo is joining Microsoft and Sony in having a subscription service for online play. And um, it was it was inevitable. At some point, it was going to happen. Uh, unlike... The Xbox and the PlayStation, though, uh, Switch Online is only going to be $20 a year. And for that $20, you'll actually get a couple of things. And the first is uh, you'll get cloud saves, uh, which have obviously been available on the other platforms for a little while. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that's kind of nice is if you have saved a game in your cloud save and then you just go sign in to another um, Nintendo Switch, maybe you're over at a friend's house and you want to pick up where you left off, no big deal, just sign in and you're good to go. Uh, Nintendo has separated themselves from the other two a little bit in a way that um, is not making people happy. Uh, the Xbox Cloud saves are free and you don't have to be a uh, Xbox Live Gold member to use and so your saves are free in perpetuity. PlayStation, if you stop paying for PlayStation Plus, 
your cloud saves will stick around for six months before they are purged. With Switch Online, uh, Nintendo says that uh, if you if your subscription lapses, they can't promise that your stuff will be there at all. So it sounds like there's no like leeway. So make sure your credit card information is always up to date with Nintendo. Make sure, uh, God forbid, you have a rough month, the month that uh, your Switch Online <laughs> subscription comes up due and you have to wait a couple of days, your cloud saves may not survive. Um, obviously, people aren't particularly happy about that, especially if you're already used to the way that, that either Microsoft or Sony works. Um, but one of the things that, like the other two, uh, Switch Online is going to offer, you know, uh, Xbox Live gives you games with gold, PlayStation Plus gives you uh, free games as well, and Switch Online is going to do the same. It's going to give you uh, classic NES games that have been uh, updated for online play, which is kind of a cool concept. Um, but there's a requirement that is also not making people particularly happy, and that is that the console has to connect to the internet at least once a week. Now, if that requirement sounds familiar, it's because it should. Uh, it was a requirement that Microsoft originally had for the Xbox One when they announced it, uh, the final details at their last E3 before it came out. And uh, gamers lost their minds. They were so mad that they were going to boycott Microsoft. There does not seem to be the same kind of backlash over uh, Nintendo requiring the exact same thing. I don't know if that's because it's Nintendo or what, but uh, nobody seems to be quite as unhappy as they were. Nobody's threatening to boycott uh, the Nintendo Switch over it. And in reality, I, Nick and I said it when the Xbox One came out, and I will say it again, it is a perfectly reasonable uh, request for maintaining license state for games because maybe your, your Switch Online account has been banned for whatever reason. Uh, they no longer... You no longer have the license to play the games. So, of course, they need to verify license state uh, occasionally, and once a week sounds as reasonable as any other. Anyway, um, that's that's about it when it comes to the new Switch Online stuff. Do, do either of these things seem odd to you, Abram? No, I mean, look, everybody's got to verify that you're still a subscriber and you're still in good standing. I mean, that's like saying, I guess, if you, you know, I don't know, downline, download things from Amazon Prime or Netflix for offline uh, view or Spotify or whatever for offline viewing or listening that, you know, they shouldn't, it, it should just stay there permanently. Like, obviously, they've got to check that you're still a subscriber periodically. Right, right. exactly. That That's a great analogy is is uh, Netflix or uh, or Spotify. Of course, they they require you to connect probably weekly to maintain your subscription state, your license state on the music. Otherwise, they probably terminate it. I mean, I haven't tested the theory, but I, I at some point they have to. Right? Of course I mean, they do. And and weekly sounds as reasonable as anything else. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, otherwise, I mean, not that anyone's really going to do this, but like, hey, I'm just going to download all this stuff on Spotify. I'm going to close my account. 
then I'm going to do something to prevent Spotify from um, from querying my, you know, from connecting or something. Right. You get to keep all this music. Use an old phone and uh, put it into airplane mode. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's quite a plot to get some some music, but it, uh, it is. It is definitely uh, quite this, a plot. In this, day, in this day and age, I mean, if people are going to plot to get media, they're probably going to get it from a torrent or something instead. But very true. Um, nevertheless, they they have an obligation to make sure that um, to make sure that you're still a subscriber and and you just can't keep offline stuff permanently without it checking and calling home periodically. Of course, and I I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the idea that uh, cloud saves go could potentially go away right away. Yeah, uh, I mean that's obviously frightening because you don't want to lose your progress. Yeah, I it's not ideal, you know. Maybe maybe you have a a bad month, the month that it comes up for uh, for renewal and you just you can't swing the twenty bucks. It it sucks that there's no. It sounds like there's no leeway on that. Hopefully, Nintendo will will change that policy uh, soon. Fingers crossed, right? This week's news from the tubes on F Five Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and uh, Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for B-movie oddities and Hollywood blockbusters um, like uh, Freddy Steps Out. I don't even know what to do with that one. (laughs) It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends, and the way it works is for a couple of dollars... You download the MP3, you play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, uh, probably not in offline mode, (laughs) and you laugh. Uh, There are also, um, from time to time, live events, and uh, there are currently none scheduled, uh, but the last one was really fantastic. I had a a blast with it. Uh, And of course, there are short films, uh, industry-type things, the kind of films that you used to watch in like elementary school when the teacher didn't want to teach. Uh, All of those are made fun of and made fun. And you can find out all of the films and all of the short films that are available by going to f5live.tv slash riff tracks. Before we move on to the the next topic, there's a a really great uh, comment in the chat room on YouTube, it looks like, uh, from Matthew. He says, how long someone can keep content they have downloaded also depends on the agreement the distributors have uh, with the content creators. And so in Nintendo's case, you know, there's a lot of first party stuff available for the NES, which means that they are the the content creators. But there's also third party stuff. So, you know, if they offer a single third party title, it means that the that the whole system, the entire uh, rights management system has to verify rights on everything on a on a particular basis so that's a that's a great way of explaining yeah that's a good point yeah so okay so uh internet news we have talked 
uh, about this a little bit when it was just a theory, and now our theory is getting closer to reality. Uh, the European Parliament has uh, passed their new sweeping copyright uh, bill that is frightening to a lot of online players because it changes uh, the primarily like there it does a lot of things uh, but the big thing that is a concern for a lot of people is the fact that um, it is literally the exact opposite of the digital millennium copyright act the dmca here in the united states uh, that law says that online platforms are not responsible are not legally responsible for the content uploaded by users so long as the platform responds to copyright violation notices within a timely manner. In the EU, if this thing goes through the rest of its process, if you, as a person, record content off of television and then upload it to YouTube, YouTube is responsible, for, is legally liable for your act, which is crazy. Yes, well... Hmm. So I, I get how someone who doesn't understand the internet, which there's no excuse for in 2018, mm -hmm. there was an excuse in 1998, but every time we see things that show a clear, like hostility toward the internet in the last few years, like, no, nobody, there's nobody out there who doesn't understand how the internet works now. Nobody, not, not even really, really old people. Everybody understands how the internet works now. So so there's no excuse for, for people saying, well, they, they're proposing these draconian laws because they think that the internet doesn't work this way. They don't understand. They understand. They absolutely they, do. But I could see how someone who didn't understand, maybe they've been, I don't know, in a coma for 20 years uh, <laughs> or something, uh, would would say like well wait a second youtube and other user content user ugc platforms are you know full of copyright violations and this takedown uh business isn't really solving the problem like there's a safe harbor for them which is what the digital millennium copyright act was meant to do uh -huh. like listen you can run a user-generated content site, but you have to be responsive to sure. to to a takedown requests. Absolutely. But but now, how how will they how will they manage? So, what you're saying is, if you're liable for anything that your users do, well, you need to either you need to put up like a perfect like upload checker or something mm -hmm. which google might be able to come close because google is really good with ai sure uh, and and they're google and if they screw up a little bit they can probably afford to right. get sued right um they've got the money for the fines for a little while while they deal with it right so you know youtube will be okay because right. youtube is a big enough concern and that and Facebook will be okay because for the same reasons, Facebook's good with AI and they've got a, enough money to pay off fines while they and, try to perfect the technology. And they can't afford not to support user-generated content because that's their whole model. Right. And, but 
I could see this having a very uh, frightening effect on smaller businesses and new businesses. Absolutely. The yeah. whatever the thing is that inevitably replaces Facebook can't be born with laws like this. Facebook wouldn't exist today if the DMCA uh, was this. I mean, if you're constant, if you're running a business, the one number one thing you don't want is is a lawsuit. Like right. you, you don't want the unpredictability. I mean, lawyers are extremely expensive. Yeah. Right. And even just, more, even more importantly, you don't want governmental fines. Right. You don't so, want to get in hot water with the government of the countries right. that you're doing business in. That's even worse. Right. So, you know, and this could also lead to, uh, you know, I mean, of course, we fear the same thing with net neutrality laws. This could uh, or lack of net neutrality laws, I should say, Um they this could also lead to companies deciding not to host to have a web their website appear in Europe. Like maybe I want to start a um, you know maybe I want to start a website here that has like let's take this to another like because people are thinking well who's gonna there may be some people listening this is like okay but who's really gonna compete with YouTube and Facebook? Come on, you're gonna start the next Facebook in your in your basement. Maybe, who knows? That would be cool. But yes, fa uh, fa Facebook did it to MySpace. MySpace did yes. it to High Five. Right. So first of all, yes. But second of all, let me put this from a different perspective. Um, what if you just want to have a community site that has uh -huh. forums on it? Yep. What if What if you are running an e-commerce site and you want to have user reviews on it, like Amazon yep. and Newegg? And so many others have. Uh -huh. Well, it might seem a little crazy, like, well, wait a second, you know, we're not talking about people aren't going to post, you know, post episodes of Game of Thrones in the, uh, you know, in the user reviews on on Newegg. But wait a second, they didn't say it had to be video, right? right. Correct. So, so even if you have a text-only forum, and by the way. Let me put this a different way. If I'm your competitor and I want to hurt you, uh -huh. I could do this on purpose. Yes. Right. If it's a text only right? forum, go copy and paste copyrighted works into the forum right. and then inform the copyright holder of that text that it's happening. Right. Exactly. So what if I just take like it doesn't even have to be something a real user would really want to do. Nope. You know, what if I take like the text of a novel that's copyrighted and I pasted it into a forum post. Yep. Completely on a completely irrelevant place. Yes. But it's a copyright violation. Yes, right? it is. And if I'm, and if I'm trying to hurt this other business now, I can, now I can get them because I can get them on copyright violations for stuff. They didn't even know was there yet. Uh huh. And was not even actually posted except specifically to cause this trouble <laughs> right exactly so because when you create rules like this you create a game and when you create a game people get good at playing it right exactly so this is very frightening yes and you didn't even mention the link tax which <laughs> i think is yeah is even more frightening i totally agree uh so the link tax means now here's what i don't understand you don't have to pay so if you link to a piece of content, you have to pay the content provider, but only 
I think there's some exception here where if it's only a link and no text, then you don't have to do it. Oh, that's, that's that, what I was reading. That could be. That it's like if you link and you have some type of description, but it's not clear. It says you can use a word or a few words or something like that. Okay. So but you al not, but you almost certainly can't pull a preview image out of it. Right. So it sounds like some of the things that a lot of search engines do, uh -huh. like pulling preview images, caching. Oh, I would assume yeah. the caching stuff is probably almost in this. almost certainly falls into this which means you know, which means that uh a search engine literally couldn't exist because they couldn't actually index the content to make it searchable mm, i don't know about that because i think i if the cached version of the page that they need to index exists but not is not visible isn't displayed to, isn't yeah. displayed to the isn't available to the public. Okay. I don't know that that would be an issue, right? I think the fact that you can go and find cached versions of pages on Fair Google, which by by the way, as someone who publishes on the internet, I don't like that. I would like them to stop having cached versions of web pages. Fair enough. Uh, because if you change something on your site or you have something you 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 regret, you know, you you accidentally published they're busting you and like that's that's kind of unfair and they are basically copying your work so yeah true i'm i'm not a huge fan of 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 the cache pages myself but um people want to be in the search engines right like they yeah. want to and, and they want to be linked to right a great that's the point of the internet yeah absolutely a great example of this is um these link taxes uh currently exist in two european nations already uh, Spain and Germany, and uh, when when they were implemented in both of those countries, uh, Google shut down its news service in both of those countries. And now the publishers in those countries have seen massive declines in page views because nobody can find their stuff. Yeah, right. I mean, you need to search. On, it's it's a, a sad reality that and to, to make it in um, I think the only site the only sites that maybe don't need to be in Google are Facebook and Twitter right um, there's nothing on Facebook is in, is indexed right um, and people and you know people know will go directly to, to Twitter if, um, and go directly to Facebook but a lot of things people don't go directly to so you know you you need to be on if you're a news site, let me tell you from experience, you really want the search referrals and you really want links from your links from other sites. You know, we kill for other people to link to us, you know, so, you know, now <laughs> if there's a situation where people are abusing it in a way and by abusing it, I don't mean linking to us too much. Like, please link as much as possible. A hundred times a page. I beg you. But, um, but you know, if there's something where people are like basically taking a lot of the content of your story, yeah, like, yeah. But I think you don't need a new law to deal with that. That's called copyright infringement, and we have laws for that. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Matthew makes an interesting comment in the uh, in the chat on YouTube. He says, uh, "I wonder how CD uh, CDNs uh, may be impacted by this." 
Hmm. Well, I mean... There, I, there's always a possibility, because, you know, when laws like this happen, the implementation is not necessarily the way... Yeah. The way they're written, and weird things tend to come out of this. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's a danger to anything that's caching and delivering content, but you want the CDM to have your content, so, I mean presumably you would have to go after them right i mean yeah i mean the but you want you want the publishers want google news to have <laughs> links to their thing and yet here we are so well yeah i mean well that's the other but the thing is first of all now google could change their business model and make it a purely opt-in opt-in model right like people are dying to get into google news but you don't actually have to you know it's not an opt-in I mean, you can try to sign up and get into it and you mm. do things to actually try to get into it. But I think they will pick up sites that are not necessarily have not necessarily volunteered. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what Google could do or somebody like Google could do, I think, but I don't know how the law would view this is maybe there's a contract you can sign up like right, I give you right. permit. I give you permission. Yeah, you know, if, fair enough. If you want to be in Google News you got to give us permission to scrape your pictures and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens here. The good news is that the fight is not over. This is just one of several steps uh, in in the possibility of this becoming law. Um, the the parliament has approved it, but it still has to go to a committee that includes the parliament, which is fascinating but also has uh, members from the Council of the European Union and the European Commission. Uh, and from there, if that whole big group approves it again, it still has to be voted on and approved by the 28 individual member countries of the European Union. So, so, so that's where so we are. Hope, let's hope the bureaucracy stops it. Make no mistake, right? There is a contingency of 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 powerful interests all around the world in the United States and in Europe and elsewhere that really don't like the openness of the internet. They don't. Yeah, so for sure. They want to take us back to a time before the World Wide Web uh, and to a time where the means of of publication were tightly controlled by whoever had the money to, to, to do the distribution. So they want to take us back to it to like getting rid of net neutrality puts us, you know, in danger of a time when, you know, Hey, the, uh, cable providers decide what channels you can see. And now, you know, your internet provider could decide what websites you can see. And the, these, uh, you know, the European parliament, is in a way trying to take us back to an era of newspapers, you know, printed newspapers being where you get your information or something. I mean, not that it's going to happen, right? Because print is dead. But, but they're, you know, they're they're kind of looking in nostalgia at an era where like the people just went to the publisher. That's it. You know, you you went to reputable publishers. You didn't have, you know, a, an engine like Google to try and drive people to maybe publishers that they'd never seen so you know uh, that's obviously living in the past but these sorts of laws could take people back to the past i mean what would have happened 
if British Telecom had won that ridiculous copyright uh, patent trolling thing a few years ago where they claimed that the idea of linking belonged to them. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I had forgotten I mean, about that craziness. I mean, but that's what I think of when I think of this. Like, yeah, for sure. British Telecom thought that the idea of linking belonged to them, and therefore they could potentially sue people for or, or charge a licensing for every time you linked to something. So, wait a second. That's the entire internet. Uh-huh. And, and the concept of linking... You know, because they weren't starting to say they invented HTML and the ahref tag. Like, they're saying that they invented the concept of linking. Mm -hmm. But the concept of linking goes back to, like, you know, the beginning of human civilization. It's that if someone asked you, like, hey, where's the, you know, if you're a cave person and someone asked you, like, where's the, where's the water source? And you said, oh, it's over that hill. That's linking. Mm-hmm. That telling somebody yeah, for about sure. a resource that's somewhere else. Absolutely. It's linking. So, anyway, I digress, but we hope, uh, you know, we hope, uh, I, I'm going to go on record saying I hope this gets <laughs> this doesn't pass because it's going to be bad news for a lot of businesses yeah. around the world. Yeah, for everybody. There, there, there's no good that comes of it. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping, sometimes same day, but what you may not know is some of the cool other things that you get included in your Prime subscription, like Amazon Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks that you can stream for free. Prime Video with uh, TV and movies and documentaries and all kinds of, of original and licensed content available. And then, of course, my new favorite feature, Twitch Prime, which gives you one free Twitch subscription per month, which, if you would like, you can use to subscribe to Plug Kids Live. Uh, but you also get free games, just like Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus or Switch Online. You get free games every month, and once they are yours, they are yours, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, there are other features as well. We've got a, uh, a list of some of our favorites. And if you're not already a subscriber, we've also got a free 30-day trial for you to find out if Prime is for you. And you can get all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Prime. Um, I think, I think we're all in agreement, all in agreement that uh, Netflix original content production-wise is high quality and it doesn't seem to matter what it is, whether you're watching a comedy like unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or, you know, so, something scary uh, like uh, stranger things, or you're watching uh, the standups, some of their, uh, their standup comedy, the production quality is all so high. It may not be a show or thing for you, but the production quality is all very high. Yes, definitely no question. And and Netflix is very proud of that. And 
as they commit to more and more original content, Netflix wants to make sure that uh, the quality stays high. And to do that, they announced this week that they have put together a certification program uh, for hardware and software and things for producers. Uh, in that certification program, they've already got uh, partners like Adobe and Blackmagic Design, Canon, Red, you know, the big guys. And uh, they want to expand it. They want to bring uh, audio production and dubbing, maybe even lighting. They want to bring all of that in. Uh, and their intention is if you're a new producer who has been hired to do a Netflix original series or movie or whatever, they want to make sure that you know what equipment Netflix likes. Now, it's very important to note that they said that the, it is not a requirement. They are not trying to dictate what equipment you use. Equipment selection is a very personal thing for content producers. Um, and so they're not dictating what what things you need to use for your production. But if you're if you're thinking, well, you know what? It's time to go get some cameras. I wonder which ones are best. Netflix will help you uh, by telling you the ones that they've had good luck with in the past. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any. I mean, obviously it's good, but I guess the question is, um, first of all, they didn't. I haven't had this up till now, so it seems like they've been doing fine without it. Second of all. Uh, does HBO have a have a certification program for all the production companies that work for it? It's not does, a it's not a public program, but they do have uh, like equipment partners. And does like I mean, because it's not like my understanding, of, and I don't know maybe enough about TV production as much as about TV production as I should, but. There are a variety of different studios that produce content for every channel. It's not like every channel runs its own, all of its own studios. Absolutely, and Net so, and Netflix doesn't run its own studios. It's all it's all almost entirely contracted out. But there definitely are are you know like even amongst companies like you know ABC and NBC you know mm -hmm. broadcast networks, they have I think a lot of them have their own studios, but they're not only getting stuff from their own studio absolutely and they don't exclusively produce for their own networks abc studios produces stuff for other networks right so it's it's a very you know they they compete a lot so yes i mean do all of those have some type of certification program because no i mean honestly when i watch most you know, I, 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 I'm not surprised that Netflix stuff looks good because I expect, I expect, you know, high budget, high quality stuff to look good. Sure. Like what? Um, so I guess my question is like, aren't they vetting the studios that are, I mean, it's, I guess it's, 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 you know, interesting that they're going to do this, but are they trying to solve a, a real problem? Because they haven't had this up till now, and this stuff looks good. Well, and if you go to other, other district, you know, other content, uh, other networks and content providers, 
they don't have programs like this, or if they do, they don't have a public one. Right. It seems to be working out okay for them. My my guess is uh, the commitment that they've made to expand uh, their original programming over the next, what is it, it's 2018, so over the next four years, um, is going to require them to bring in some pretty small indie producers. Um, and I think... I think they're trying to prepare for that. Um, they're going to be working with producers who have never done something big budget before. This might be their first, their first big budget program, or maybe it's not a big budget. Maybe they're doing, you know, maybe part of their program is to bring in indie films, but they want to make sure that even the indie films still have a, a quality feel. Uh, and they're not like trying to shoot them on a, $200 Canon consumer camera, but instead, you know, they're, they should be shot on a red, not necessarily. Cause that's like a $50,000 camera, but yeah, I, I think you know what I mean? That, yes. I, I want to make sure it's not filmed with someone's phone. Exactly. Now, I mean, Although there was that film, that movie that was just in uh, theaters nationwide that was shot on an iPhone seven. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was that? I don't remember. Uh, but um, but maybe that wouldn't be good enough for Netflix. Maybe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's good. I hope that they're not so uh, desperate for content they're, that they're going to bring in stuff that's not. On the other hand, I wouldn't say everything on Netflix is fantastic. Uh, most of the original content is really well made, though. I mean, it, it really is. But... Um, so, you know, sometimes they'll spend a lot of money on something. It'll be very, very polished looking, and but uh, you know the plot will not be. It's still a polished herd, yeah. The best, I mean. <laughs> see, I mean, I enjoyed it more than I should, but see that Will Smith Bright movie, for example. Haven't seen um, it. I mean, it's not that it's terrible, but like they spent like a couple hundred million dollars, something. Like I think they spent over a hundred million dollars on that Jeez. thing. I think that's a lot I mean, of money. You know, for I mean, probably ninety percent of that went straight to Will Smith. Right. So yeah. So uh, you know, maybe maybe spend it on the story instead of just one actor. I don't know. Absolutely. But uh, uh, who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, good good for them. I mean, obviously by putting the number putting the spec out there to the public, they're also going to, uh, I mean, I guess raise the quality in general. And that's what I was will... thinking. That's what I was hoping for. Like if I were not producing for Netflix and I was going to go out and buy equipment to do maybe an indie film, you know, the idea that Netflix has said this equipment is good enough for us might actually like that might be what I go look for. Yeah. It also would suggest that, you know, if you're doing another project that someday may, maybe license uh -huh. to yeah. somebody like Netflix. Yeah, exactly. That you want to make sure that you, that you have the good, good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's the impact on sort of small time, aspiring new low budget, whatever independent yeah. uh, filmmakers could be a, could be a good one. Uh, I would just hope that, you know, when they're going out there and they're creating like, you know, the seventh season of, of Voltron or whatever, that they don't need to tell the studio to use decent equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, just as a note, uh, Steven Soderbergh, uh, his film Unsane. Ah. Shot entirely on the iPhone 7, and uh, it did not make the iPhone 7 appear to be a great uh, production equipment. <laughs> yes. I'm going to assume that... Uh that if somebody wanted to make a found footage movie, they would, they might have some, yeah, I don't know, issues. Like, like if, if we were to, to redo the Blair Witch Project today, you could exactly. film that on an iPhone and be good to go. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, that is our show. Um, for those of you who joined us live, which I, I've noted there have been uh, several talking in the chat room. Uh, Matthew, Elijah, thank you for joining us in the chat room and uh, commenting throughout the show. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, especially given that we started late, which was, which was my fault and that we had some issues. So, so saying, thank you. And then had technical issues in the middle. So definitely thank you to those of you who stuck around through the weirdness that was tonight. Uh, obviously, uh, the office is going to be having another visit from our, our internet provider. Uh, not what I was hoping for. Anyway, so thank you to those of you who joined us live. Uh, you can do that on Sunday nights at around 9 p.m. by going to f5live.tv slash join us. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. Plugitslive.com slash subscribe will show you all of our shows, including F5 Live and the Pilch Point, special events, first looks, and uh, all of the rest as well. And uh, so I guess... With that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.